Good evening. evening. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Paul. Um, I grew up here. Uh, I was baptised here in 2006, and I left the church in 2013 when Hannah and myself got married, and we moved to Milton Keynes. Uh, And at the time, there was a church called Britton Grove, and Michael... Uh, Toich told me that I was not to go to any other church than Britton Grove because it was the church we were supporting. Uh, I said to him, okay, we'll go the first week. We'll see how we get on. And um, we've never left. It's now New City Church, as as many of you will know. And I am one of the elders there, uh, serving alongside uh, my brother Owen, which is a real joy to have sat so many years ago... um, under him as my elder, to now just get to serve alongside him. But do please pray for Kate and Owen. Uh, Both of them aren't well, really, um, as many of you will know. So it might be best in the next few weeks, just make contact with them. Let them know you're thinking about them. Let them know you're praying for them. Uh, But really pray that that both of them uh, know their limits, how much they can do, how much they can't do. but also that they will get better. Um, They are real servants to our church. Um, So please pray for them. I myself, I work for Anglian Water, and uh, my job is to keep the sewers flowing. Um, My wife is a music teacher, and uh, we have a daughter called Esther. Uh, She's two, nearly two and a half, and one of the things about having children is that It teaches you what it means to call God Father. I spent some time, I took a week off work, and I decorated Esther's room. It was a very dark green on one side. There was some horrible wallpaper, and we stripped it off and found this funny, thick paint that was coming off in sheets, which we didn't expect. I went out and bought a sander, and I spent a day sanding what is not a big room. I filled all the walls in. We did an undercoat on the green wall. We turned it back to white. I spent time painting the ceiling. We put the colors on the wall. I was running out of time, so I called Dad over to put the the gloss on the skirting boards and the back of the door, all for this child who is not going to appreciate how much work has gone into her room. How much do we appreciate the work that God puts into our lives? Everything that has gone on in your life to this point, God has had a hand in. And he will continue to have a hand in. And we don't appreciate that as much as we should. Let me pray for us on that point and as we look into uh, this passage in John. Father, We come before you as people who don't know how much you actually do for us. Father, I pray that you will reveal more and more to each one of us the love that you have for us as your children and quite what it meant to put your son on the cross for us. Father, I pray you will help us tonight as we look into this passage in John and we consider the reactions to Jesus 
around the time of his death. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John chapter 12. To give you some context, Jesus has just uh, been to visit uh, a grave where his dear friend Lazarus has been dead for a number of days. And Jesus raises him from the dead. Immediately, or if you look in verse 23, you'll see Jesus says these words of John 12. The hour has now come. Jesus knew that this Passover was his last Passover. So we're at the back end of Jesus' ministry. He's done this amazing thing in raising Lazarus from the dead. And he says later on, a couple of days later, the hour has come. My time is up. This is the changing point in John. Up until now, we've been shown that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus' tone starts to change now. And there becomes a real urgency in the way he speaks to his disciples. If you cast your eyes through um, to 15, he tells us about the vine and the branches and the need to remain in him. Abide in me. Enjoy the time that you have with me, but also keep close to me even when I'm gone from you. He promises in chapter 16, the Holy Spirit, an advocate, a helper, will be here. A counselor will be left with you when I am not here anymore. And then he prays for his disciples in, verse, in chapter 17. Before then, he's arrested and leaves them. There's a real change in the way that Jesus speaks to people here. And I want to look, and I love the, the reactions that we get from this passage. But I want to, to just ask you, how do you react and respond to Jesus? Whenever you have a conversation with someone about Jesus, they will react. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with someone at work. He said, oh, you Christians, you're funny, aren't you? You believe that everything was made. I said, all right, what do you believe then? Well, in evolution. All right, where did it start? Well, I don't know. And then we got on to the gospel. He said, well, I don't know. I won't, I won't believe what you say until you can prove to me that there's a God. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about the body. <laughs> childbirth. The fact that you've got one cell and one cell coming together against all the odds to then form a child nine months later to be born to then grow up into an adult and, and things work and teeth come through at the right time, not necessarily for parents because it's often disturbed nights, but the body is amazing. 
can't, you cannot argue evolution. So he starts to think, no, 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 no. Show me something else. Okay, look at the trees. What's the purpose of trees? What do they give us? Well, oxygen. <laughs> How can you argue evolution? Because you're sort of arguing through a fluke. Anyway, he had to respond to being put on the spot. He had to respond and think through the answers that the Bible gives and the answers that he had with evolution. But what about you? How do you respond to Jesus? How did you respond this morning to John's sermon? What have you gone away and thought about afterwards? What have you done with your readings and how Christ has met you? How have you responded? I want to look at two reactions to Jesus' anointing and then two reactions to Jesus' arrival. Uh, first one is Mary. And we have Jesus here attending a meal in his honor. This was a meal to, to one, show everybody that, that Lazarus was alive again because many people knew he was dead, but also to, to show Jesus the man who came and, and raised Lazarus from the dead. And it notes that Lazarus was just reclining at the table with Jesus. Important detail. And Mary, at some point during the meal, takes half a pint, oh, sorry, half a litre. If you're in the 84 NIV, it's, um, it's described as a pint. Uh, a very expensive perfume, pure nard. And she pours it on Jesus' feet and proceeds to wipe his feet with her hair. Now, it might seem strange to you, and rightly so. We've heard before of people washing each other's feet. In fact, it was, that was quite normal. They didn't have covered shoes. They largely had sandals. And your feet would get covered in dirt as you walked from place to place. And she would then wash your feet if you were coming to a meal table to be clean. But Mary does this with perfume. In fact, the word used to describe it is pure nard. It's not been diluted. It's not mixed with anything else. This perfume was the highest grade it could be, and therefore very, very expensive. It's an awful lot of perfume. Have a look in verse 3. John records that the house was filled with the fragrance. Don't you think the whole village was filled with the fragrance of that perfume? And yet, the, the amount of the perfume is not the most incredible bit about Mary's actions. Mary uses her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. Picture it. A lady gets down onto her knees at the feet of Jesus in front of the whole uh, guest list. Picture it, a wedding. And she gets down on her knees and she takes her hair and she wipes his feet. 
inside the toes, around the bottom of the heels, around the ankles. Mary did not care what she looked like. She obviously didn't care about the state of her hair. She got on and she wiped Jesus' feet. Why? Because she got who Jesus was. Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. She already believed in Jesus. In fact, because she came out and she said to him, I know that you can still do something, it's recorded for us. I'll have to go back and find it. Um, I can't find it quickly enough. But she, she knows that Jesus could still do something. And Jesus raises him because she knew there was something more about Jesus. She believed that he was going to be this Messiah. And he proved to her through that miracle that that was who he was. Mary was so thankful Jesus for not only raising her brother but because that was the Messiah that was what the Jewish people had been waiting for Mary knew Jesus was the son of God because she'd seen his works at first hand the other character that we see in the, in the first eight verses is Judas Judas had seen many more of Christ's miracles and signs, and yet still doesn't get it. All Judas is concerned about is the value of that perfume that's just been poured over Jesus' feet and is now wasted. A year's wages, that should be sold and given to the poor. Think how much that would do for them. And you've just wasted it on his feet. They're only going to get dirty again. Have a look in verse 6. John tells us that Judas wasn't worried about the poor. In fact, he was a thief. And although he looked after the money bag, he helped himself to whatever he wanted from it. Judas had thought to himself, that could sit in our money bag, and I can just siphon that out. And no one will know. And Jesus replies this outburst with quite a rebuke. Leave her alone. That perfume was intended for my burial. The poor will always be with you, but I won't be. Jesus is saying this, knowing that his crucifixion was just around the corner. He knew this was the last, his last Passover. Judas had seen Mary pouring perfume on Jesus' feet as a waste, and that he could have benefited from the sale of this. And Jesus is saying to Judas, it's not about the money, it's about me. The poor will always be with you, but I am soon to depart. Treasure this time with me. So we have two reactions to Jesus' anointing. Mary, who had got who Jesus was and gave him everything. She gave up her pride by getting down on her knees and, and publicly wiping his feet 
confessing publicly as well in this that she knew Jesus was the Messiah. Have you in your life confessed this? That you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have, then submit everything to him. Don't worry about the time that things take. Or what you might have to give up in order to follow Jesus. Just give it up. Think nothing of giving up what you treasure most for Jesus, just like Mary did. But I think as well in this, it's, it goes deeper than that. If you're not ashamed to be called a Christian, you shouldn't also be ashamed of sharing your faith. And I'm convinced more and more that we do not have to defend our faith. In fact, as we have conversations with people, challenge them over what they think. Make them ask their own questions. Let them become inquisitive. And pray for them. Don't be afraid to pray for them there and then. If someone came to you and said, oh, my sister's not very well, she's been diagnosed with cancer, do you want me to pray for you? There's not going to be many people that turn around and say, oh no, I don't believe in that. They want you to pray for them. Pray boldly and share your faith boldly. Do not be ashamed of the truth that you know. There'll be many football fans out there tonight not ashamed of their football club this week. Manchester City have won the Premier League. Liverpool, Barcelona, did, they did, did they? Good, he told me the score. Arsenal and Chelsea. Luton won the league, back where we belong. But many people are not ashamed to wear those logos this week, to say, that is the club I follow. Where's your logo? Make sure people know you are a Christian and share your faith. You see, Judas, on the other hand, was so close to Jesus. And was yet so far. He was um, one of the twelve. And yet he was gripped by sin. He was a thief stealing money from the bag. Are you here this evening like Judas? You come to church. You attend other meetings. You go to the prayer meetings. You're part of a home group. You read your Bible. And many would look upon you as a faithful disciple, and yet behind closed doors, there are sins that you have, and you are not dealing with them. They're festering. A sin that holds you down. And you're fully aware of it, but you don't want to deal with it because of the cost of what you might have to give up. Deal with it. Judas never dealt with his love of money and in the end sells Jesus for 30 silver coins. And Jesus gained, uh, Judas gained nothing from rejecting Jesus. Likewise will we if we let sin get the better of us. Deal with your sin now before it is too late and the devil gets in and gets a foothold. There's two reactions as well to Jesus' arrival. And I just want to read verses 12 to 15. 
The next day, the great crowd had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus the king arrives in Jerusalem. Have you ever taken the time to picture what that might look like? Take for me the, the roundabout, the shell roundabout on the A507, right between Flittick and Amptill. And come back up towards the church, and come all the way up Amptill Road, so you get to the mini roundabout at the top here. Imagine that, lined with people. And there's a, a, a real great hubbub of noise. And you get up there, and you go and see what's going on. I mean, who's coming? Is it a celebrity? Is it royalty? A footballer. Who's coming in to Flittick, of all places? And what you see is a bloke on a donkey. It's mad, isn't it? And then you see people taking leaves off the trees nearby, and they put them on the road for this donkey to go down over. And you've heard something about a guy in the area, but a guy on a donkey, really? It's quite a picture. And it, and it gives you two ways to react to this. Firstly, you could think of this man on a donkey, the crowd around, and you could think, what a bunch of nutters. This man isn't even in a car, and they cheer him. Why would anyone go after him? Or secondly, you could see this and feel the energy of the crowds and you could join in. You get caught up and you're shouting and praising this man on a donkey. And I want to take a moment to explore these two reactions. Firstly, the cynical approach, the Pharisees and the chief priests. Have a look at verses 9 to 11. The crowds are coming to see Jesus and Lazarus because they had heard that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well because the Jews were putting their faith in Jesus on account of Lazarus. Also look with me at verse 17. The crowd continued to spread the word about Jesus and many people, having heard about this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The chief priests and Pharisees were mad that the crowds had gone after him. They, they were no longer the center of attention. That was their real issue. They weren't the center of attention anymore. Even though they knew the scriptures, they knew what was written about Christ and would have heard how he was then fulfilling these words. They were blinded by themselves and their selfishness to be at the center of everything. You see, putting yourself at the center of everything leads to pushing Christ out. You might be here this evening feeling empty. 
that feeling you, you never used to feel because you've pursued your own agenda. You've chased after what you want. Whether it be an unfulfilling career, a friendship that you thought was, was going to be a real deep and, and helpful friendship and, and it turns out not to be. Maybe you've put your hope in, in your health and your health is starting to fail. We sometimes are guilty of pursuing our, in, our own agendas. Sometimes a sin. So it's only to serve ourselves, making ourselves happy. Oh, if I have that, I'll be happy. And then that breaks, so I'll have to get one that's better. I've got a friend who, um, he's always moaning about his car. It doesn't matter what car he's got. He had a BMW, he moaned about that, so he went and got a Vauxhall because it was cheaper and had more on it. And then he moaned about that, and then he ended up with a BMW, and now he's moaning about that, so he's looking at another BMW. He's seeking to serve himself, to make himself happy. If that's you this evening, turn away from it and come back to Christ. There is nothing in this world that will make you happy like Christ will. The joy of knowing Christ is a lifelong thing. The moments of elation you might get are moments. They don't last forever. You can cherish some of them, yes, but they don't last forever. The Pharisees and the chief priests, in the end, are the ones that have plotted to kill Jesus. They've taken the cynical position. That man isn't who he says he is. They doubt him. And they've had a hand in his death a week later. The concern here uh, is not, not that Christ will become dead to you, but that you might become dead to Christ. There is no middle ground. You either know Christ or you don't. And for too long, I in my life thought that there was a middle ground and that it would just be all right and I could put it off. But there was a day where Jesus met me. He said, you have to make a decision. Best decision I made. If you haven't made that decision yet and you're trying to live in that grey area, there is none. one side or the other. You are with Christ or without. The other response that we could take to this is that we go with the crowds and we get excited. Responding to Christ and following him. Notice in verse 19, the Pharisees say, look how the whole world has gone after him. People were coming from all around to witness Jesus and to praise him having heard of what he had done. To the Pharisees, it would have seemed like their whole world because they were watching their worlds being torn apart. The crowds that used to come and to listen to them and their teachings were now going after Jesus. The excitement and the joy of listening to his teaching. The crowds were so happy and excited, it was evident for all to see. They could see Jesus. And they were telling everyone about it in verse 17. 
the crowd continued to spread the word. They had seen their king and they were filled with joy. So much so, they couldn't contain it. Do you express the same joy as the crowds there? If someone was to meet you on the way home tonight, would they know by your face that you've just come to worship God? Or would they just think it's someone walking home? There's um, a lady in our family, and she, she will talk about two things. She has two topics of conversation. One is whatever is going on in her life at the moment, whatever's current. And the second one is the gospel. And she will tell you about Jesus and what Jesus is doing in her life and in her church. And the excitement that that is bringing. And it's infectious. Are you excited about what Jesus is doing in your life at the moment? Are you excited about what Jesus is doing in this church? Yes, you're at a time without a pastor. But Bob is fantastic. And Jesus has brought him in his life to this point in this church to be looking after the church at this time. The elders and deacons you have have been brought to this point by Jesus. And the man that is coming to this church whenever that may be, will be appointed by Jesus to serve here. Friends, it is an exciting time to be in this church. The musicians tonight were given a gift to serve this church. Those of you who serve through the week, in the background, in the forefront, teaching, Whatever it is you serve in, Jesus has given you that gift to serve this church. Is it an exciting time to be part of FBC? Of course it is. Because although it may not seem like Jesus is working and you're having baptisms, Jesus is working in each of your lives. And I would encourage you to make a diary. Make a prayer diary. Keep a track of the things that you pray for. Keep a little track of what you've been reading and what God is saying to you and what Jesus has been teaching you. Because when you get those times in life where you do feel flat, go back and look and see what Jesus has taught you over the last six months. And you'll realize it's just a flat period and actually Jesus is amazing. I'd also encourage you to, to get a couple of sentences for yourself that explains you the gospel. Once you've got it, that you can, when someone says to you, well, what do you believe? You can share it like that. But two, so you can remind yourself every single day of the gospel is something very powerful. And just meditate upon it. The need for your salvation. There is nothing more exciting. Jesus died on the cross for me. And I am forgiven. And one day I will go to heaven to be with God. 
And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm full of joy as a result because I know God loves me. No matter what I've done. And the best thing is that if you believe that too, you can join with me and worship God. So there are, there are from this passage then two ways in which you can respond to Jesus. You can either seek to please yourself, uh, being corrupted by sin like Judas, or so focused on yourself that you chase what you want and you push Jesus out. You miss who Jesus is. And the other response is to turn and follow Jesus like the crowds did and Mary did. The crowds were excited and they knew there was something special about Jesus. Mary had experienced this firsthand and therefore gave up everything she treasured for Christ, anointing his feet with perfume. And I want to encourage you tonight, give up everything to follow Christ and enjoy Christ's death for you. I want to pray for us and then we will stand and sing our final song. Father, I thank you that John took the opportunity to record the reactions of what was going on around Jesus here at his anointing and also at his arrival in Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for Mary's actions. The way that she humbled herself and thought nothing of giving up everything for Jesus. And I pray you will help us to do that. To love our Lord and Saviour more and more each day. And Father, we thank you for the, the reaction of the crowds. They just got so excited about seeing Jesus that they went and told as many people as they could. Their joy was uncontainable. And I pray, Father, you will fill us as Christians with joy at what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Father, I pray you will help us to see what Jesus is doing in our lives, that we might then be brought to our knees and worship him. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final song this evening is Oh to See the Dawn, uh, really just bringing us to the cross.